Shut up and sit down. All right. We are back after a week and a half long hiatus. We are uh, we are back for episode 106 of the Quiet Part Loud podcast. That's what you're tuned into. I'm your host, Daryl, and I have to say that it is fantastic to be back. I have truly missed grabbing the mic and uh, and getting on and doing shows, uh, but I've been away, had a little vacation in Italy, and uh, it was much needed, and it was a fantastic trip. But I am absolutely ready to be back, ready to get back into the swing of things and uh, and start putting these shows together on a more consistent basis. I really want to take this thing to another level now and I want to continue to grow it significantly and really put the work in that's going to be necessary to do that. So, so we're back with episode 106 and it's Friday. So this will be with you guys on uh, most likely Saturday morning. So I uh, hope you guys tune in over the weekend and, uh, and and up until next week where it's going to be a little topsy-turvy again just because some things at work are getting straightened out but I will most likely be recording again on next Friday evening so it'll be a week between episodes. I uh, just wanted to kind of give you guys a heads up on that but Friday the 13th today guys uh, for any superstitious listeners out there that uh, put any significance into that number uh, the only the only significance I put into Friday the 13th is the classic series of films uh, from back in the day and uh, and also the little the little nugget of information that how do you know a month will contain a Friday the 13th in it there's a surefire way to guarantee it if you know you've already said it if you don't the answer is if a month starts if the first day of the month is a Sunday there will always be a Friday the 13th in that month. So that's uh, that's about as significant as the day gets for me. Um, I'm more interested in the fact that it is Friday. It's now the weekend and uh, it's Friday night now. So as soon as we're done this, we will uh, crack on to the weekend. We're not going to be doing anything this weekend, although I heard it's supposed to be quite nice in London, a little extended summer weather for us. But after the trip... To Italy, I just want to relax now, isn't that? It's a, it's always a weird one, right? Like you need a holiday after the holiday, and I jumped jumped straight back into work. Uh, we arrived back on Monday evening at about seven o'clock, so quickly got home, unpacked, and then it was straight back to the grind the very next day. And the first thing I did was set my alarm for four thirty, so I could make sure that I was up and back at the gym and getting back into the routine as quickly and as seamlessly as possible. And that's that's gone great actually because it's been a hell of a week at work, closed down a big, big project that I'm gonna be waiting for a decision on that if it comes in will not only be very lucrative uh, personally, but also from a, uh, from a company standpoint, it's quite a significant victory that we would have. So fingers crossed on that. Um, but I wanted to get to the gym and make sure that I didn't waste any time because it's one of those things where you go a week or so without any exercise and you feel completely refreshed from a you know from your body's point of view in terms of muscle soreness 
but you're actually mentally exhausted and obviously flying is disgusting and you always feel terrible after you come off of the plane. At least I do. So it was important that I kind of snap back and and uh, and got to feeling like I was doing some work again. And I got to tell you, whew, I am sore. It is. Uh, it, it's been a great week of of getting back to the gym, but it has been it has been a sore one. It's it's kind of like you know you resetting, you're starting all over again. Uh, only from that kind of soreness point of view, you, you forget what it feels like. Um, but it's great. It's great, and it's really important to do that. Because otherwise you'll sort of flounder and transitioning back off of holiday will be harder than, than it should be. So it was about jumping back into the routine and and we're there now. So great week of workouts, got some boxing in, great week of, uh, of work with the projects being completed and, uh, and some other ones on the table. And now it's just about this show and how we turn this show up, how we... You know, how we crank the dial a little bit on it, make it more fun, make it more interactive, make it more creative. And I don't know, I'm thinking about potentially streamlining the content, not being so sort of, you know, off the cuff, um, maybe looking at some segments, doing some fun things there. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm still rolling the ideas around. And again, you know, it's just me here. So uh, I always appreciate your your feedback on that as well. Um but definitely want to get back to the schedule. You know, we've done 106 of these, so why stop now? Let's keep going, right? But uh, no, Italy was fantastic. Italy was fantastic. Rome, we went to Rome, then we went down to the Amalfi Coast, then we went back up to Naples and returned to Rome before flying uh, back to the UK. And for anybody that hasn't been to Italy or had a chance to, you know, venture and explore Rome, it's... It's a must. It's an absolute must. I knew I was going to enjoy it, but I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I did. We we saw everything, near enough everything. Uh, there was a couple of issues with our flight leaving that made us uh, miss some some tours, but we got to see mostly everything, and 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 I can't express how incredible it is to to stand next to things like the Colosseum that are 2,000 years old, you know, to to walk through the Vatican, the, you know, the museums and see those sculptures and see those paintings. It's, it's just a, it's just another level. And that's why Rome is a UNESCO heritage site, the entire city, because you walk around the corner and all of a sudden they, they started to excavate to maybe build a block of flats or something. And they found some ruins that are, you know, thousands of years old. It's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And not to mention the food. The food's fantastic. I had the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Not in Naples, but in Rome. Uh, I can't, the place is called uh, Raviolos or Rivolos or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But they serve pizza by the weight. So you basically just show them how, how much you want of it with your hands. And then they hammer that thing they cut it up slap it on the scale and you're good to go and you just stand outside and you eat it at a at a, at a little table outside it's 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 fantastic um and then we ate dinner at a place called uh cantina e cucina i believe which is cellar and kitchen and we had to wait we had to wait but it was well worth it and we loaded up on pasta and seafood in there it was it was just incredible 
And then the seafood in Sorrento, the seafood down on the Amalfi Coast was just, was next level, eating the lobster and the mussels and the oct for, uh, for a long old time. But a couple of funny things that happened in Italy uh, that, I, that I wanted to share actually from the trip was that we were, we were in Rome and we were walking around, we were coming out of St. Peter's Basilica. And obviously you've got the sort of, you know, the street vendors, not the street vendors, the guys who sell you stuff that you don't want, the bracelets, the necklaces, you know, the fake whatevers, the toys. All. What they try to do is they try to come up to you and offer it to you for free. And as soon as you grab it, then you turn to walk away. They say, have you got something for that? I.e., they're just trying to put it in your hand so then they can harass you to pay them for it. So FYI, for anybody that hasn't been there, if somebody approaches you in that manner, don't take it. Let them drop it on the floor and then just walk away and say, no, thank you. I had to do that a number of times. It's a really funny trick. And I, and I actually had to toss one back at a guy. I was like, I don't want your bracelet, dude. Like, <laughs> go ahead. Um, but also, to the guys who are selling those things on the street, there are, they're mostly like Af what would appear to be like African immigrants um, because I was wearing a pair of black and white Adidas uh, shoes and I was wearing a pair of black jeans and a white t-shirt and they were yelling at me from like across the plaza, hey, African man, hey, African man. And I don't, I, I still, I don't know because they wouldn't explain it to me. They just said, oh, that's like you're from Africa. But I don't know like really what the context is for that. So if anybody can tell me, I'd love to, I'd love to know. Uh, what that means, but it happened to me about seven times during the course of, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half of like walking around uh, the area of the Vatican Museum, St. Peter's Basilica, and and down by, uh, I think it's called Sant'Angelo uh, Castle or something like that. But yeah, just really peculiar, really peculiar stuff. Um, and in a lot of ways, Italy's no different than than the UK is. And what I mean by that is, in the city, you get a certain type of Italian, and in the countryside or down by the coast, you get a completely different type of Italian person. You know, uh, I almost got into a fight with about, I would say he was probably mid-50s, mid to late 50s. Uh, he was a taxi driver. We got dropped off at the wrong hotel in Naples by our, uh, by our, by the driver that took us from the Amalfi Coast back to Naples. They dropped us at the wrong hotel and I didn't realize until they'd already left, which was a fucking nightmare. And then we had to we had to get a cab driver from Naples to take us to the other hotel, which we learned the next day was a 10 minute walk around the corner. The cab took us about 15 minutes and still didn't get us there. And I switched on Google Maps and realized he was just driving us around the block, but different ways because there's a lot of one-way systems in Italy, and especially in Naples, everything is sort of one-way this and one-way that. So he's kind of going around the block, but you don't really notice it the first time. And I looked at my wife, and she had the Google Maps out. She's like, look at this. And I watched it, and he was just circling around our hotel. And if there's one thing I cannot stand, it's scumbags like that that just try to get over on people that don't know any better. You know, we were super nice to this guy. I was super polite to him. I said, listen, mate, really appreciate it. I'll give you an extra tip. Of course, he didn't understand a goddamn word of it. And it, 
I think about the second time around the block when we realized we were getting fucked over. I said, listen, pull the car over now. All of a sudden he understands English. I said, pull over now and let us out. We're going to walk. So then he tried to charge me five euros per bag for every bag we had in the car because he wouldn't, because we'd figured him out basically. So I threw him like 10 euros and I just said, get the fuck out of here. I'm like, and he, he started to get in my face. It was, it was so funny. And I just said, you might not understand me, but you better get the fuck out of my face because I'm not from here, but I'm not, I'm not going to be treated like an asshole or something to that effect. And, and, uh, and he ended up getting back in the taxi and we walked around the corner to our hotel. So it wasn't a great initial experience in Naples, but we had a great second day just sort of walking down by the harbor and, and, and taking in the sunshine and, and some of the, uh, some of the sights there. But that night, I had my very first fried pizza. It's called Pizza Frite. And I never had anything like this in my life. And I think Naples is probably one of the only places you can really get it that's actually authentic. And it's effectively two small pizza doughs that are laid on top of each other with filling in. So it's it's not like a calzone because it doesn't it's deep fried. So it's not baked. So they deep fry it and then they scoop the oil over it to coat it and all that stuff. And it's got sausage and cheese and sauce inside of it. And then they just, they slap it on it, like basically serve it in paper, like fish and chips, traditional fish and chips is served. And then again, you go out on the street, take a pizza slicer, slice it six ways, and you just grab chunks of it. And it is unbelievable. It's, it, it was a game changer for me. Pizza free. If you're ever in Naples, pizza free. It's right off Toledo. There's a spot right off Toledo, which is like the Oxford Street. If you're from London or from the UK, the Oxford Street. It's it's their version of it. it's Naples version of it. So, anyways, I'm playing tour guide now, but um, yeah, I just thought it was really funny because when we were on the coast in Sorrento, those people down there were so lovely and so helpful and so sweet. Um, but then it's just like anything, right? Come to London. And you'll see a different type of person than you will if you're uh, if you're down on the south coast. So it was fantastic. And then we came back up to Rome and had a day there. And we actually found a cannabis shop. And they sell CBD products because I think, uh, I think weed is sort of decriminalized in Italy. But um, we bought this CBD oil for our dog who suffers from anxiety and we're just checking it out and we're going to take him to the vet and get the vet to look over it but really interesting because they don't sell that sort of stuff in the UK yet I asked the guy and he said there's no problem bringing this on a plane so of course when I got to the airport especially with my past record um of uh of international troubles uh which we've never really gone into but maybe one day um, I was a bit skeptical. So when we arrived at the airport in Rome to fly back to the UK, I went straight up to the security guard who, you know, checks you down before you like take your plastics out and all that stuff and your liquids and whatnot. And I, I pulled it straight out. I said, am I going to get in trouble for this? And it was a blink of an eye. And he was like, absolutely not. It's absolutely fine. So we went through security and then we went through the metal detectors where you have to kind of, you know, take your laptop out and it goes through and gets x-rayed. And I pulled it out again, showed her. I was, I was like, am I going to get in trouble for this? And she's like, absolutely not. So we got on the plane, flew home, and it was absolutely fine. So we've got it here, and I'm going to check it out. And if it is a 
product that we find that we've had success for anybody that's got anxious pets out there uh i will i will give the product a shout out because it is uh you know it is potentially a game changer i know uh, some folks that have had anxious dogs in Canada um, and also in Portugal who have access to this stuff and they've given it to their to their anxious dogs dogs who you know bark excessively for no reason and 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 dogs that shake and and can't be left alone and all that sort of thing that it's just worked absolute miracles so we want to double check it with our vet and uh, and if he says it's good to go we're going to try it out and if we have some success with it I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to definitely shout it out and let you guys know about it for anybody that, you know, suffers with a, uh, with an anxious pet. So stay tuned for that. But yeah, overall, it was one of those things. We haven't, it was a great trip. We haven't had a proper vacation in, uh, in nearly sort of eight months. So it was, it was well needed, especially, you know, for my wife, uh, who runs her own business. She definitely needed it. I think she enjoyed it immensely so we're gonna probably go back definitely to the Amalfi Coast there's a lot more for us to see down there um, but we want to go back to Rome as well because it's just a great great city we were walking 17 kilometers a day uh, which is what 14 miles or something like that like we were doing work and it but it didn't seem like it right because you're looking around every corner and there's pictures to be taken and you're eating great food and you can you can drink on the street there so I was drinking beer while we were walking around I was I was consuming, let me tell you something, I was consuming, and I came back, and I didn't gain anything, I think I put on half a kilo, and that was just because there was no stress, we were doing a lot of kind of activity that wasn't really exercise, but it was a ton of work, you know, it was very hot uh, in Italy the whole entire time, we had 30 plus weather, and so you know, you're sweating, and you know, you're working that food off, and it, and it keeps you hungry, so you go in and, you know, you, you dig into some beautiful pasta and you grab it. It's just a great time. So we needed it. Um, and I think our next destination is going to be Cuba. So if there's any uh, any recommendations for that from anybody out there, I'd love to hear it. Because my wife is a massive fan of classic cars. And obviously, that's how they roll with their taxis down there. And I think it'd be a great trip. So I think that's what we're going to do next. But we're back in the grind now and, uh, and back to work. So... Uh, yeah, I just wanted to run you guys through. It was a great time and, and, and kind of explain my absence as well because uh, we definitely needed the break and, uh, and we took great advantage of it. So yeah, so that's Italy. Um, check it out if you haven't. It's funny though, when you go away, even for a week, when you run at the pace that I sort of run my life at, I'm, I'm very busy. I try to keep myself very busy with as you know, exercise, obviously this show, uh, my personal training business, and then obviously my nine to five, plus I'm married and have, you know, four animals running around my house at all times at the minimum. Uh, things are things are very, very busy. And when you go from running at 100 miles an hour to effectively taking your brain and shutting it down other than just being a you know, a sponge for everything you're looking at and taking pictures. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't on social media except for maybe posting a couple of pictures on Instagram and I wasn't checking the news. I wasn't checking my work emails. Uh, I think I checked my work emails on the very last day of my trip and that was it. So you shut down and it's a funny thing that happens because when you come back, you 
you realize just how much happens in the space of just a week, a week and a half. I think we were away for what, 10 days in total. And the amount of stuff that happens in that time frame, the way our news cycle works now, you know, obviously the amount of people, social media and the constant input of, of, uh, of information through those channels, it's astounding how much stuff transpires and how quickly you can fall out of touch with issues you were, you know, previously following. Um, specifically, I'm referencing the, uh, the, the whole debacle around Brexit that continues and Boris Johnson, you know, suspending parliament and all of the chaos that's happening around, uh, around us leaving the EU and it being, you know, protested against as a coup against our, you know, our, our constitutional democracy. Um, but there's been some checks and balances put in place and they voted to, you know, effectively take no deal off the table. Uh, Brexit uh, Parliament has been suspended. Now Boris Johnson's supposed to be going over to meet the EU commissioner on, uh, what's it, Junker, uh, on Monday to see if there's another deal that can be worked out. They've, they've come out and said, well, the recent developments that have taken place with, you know, Parliament kind of stepping in and, and, and mediating some of this chaos, that there's an, there's a, there's a better possibility for another Brexit extension, which is great on one hand, because it allows some of hopefully the madness to subside and, and maybe cooler heads to prevail. But I just think with Boris, Boris Johnson at the helm, the fact that he's kicked out 21 members of his party because they voted against him, uh, there's there's no easy fix to this, but with him at the helm, I just think he's a bull in a china shop. I mean, the reports, the post-Brexit reports have been published that say the traffic of imported goods and traffic across from the EU into the UK could decrease by 40% on day one. Now, that is going to be a very, a very small percentage of that is going to be made up by human traffic. And I mean human traffic, not in the horrible way. I mean, people going back and forth, commuters or vacationers or, you know, that sort of thing. A lot of that traffic is going to be made up by the transportation of goods. Fresh, fresh food, produce, medicine, all of these things, manufacturing parts that help our industry run, all of these things. So combined traffic is supposed to drop anywhere between 40 and 60% on day one. They are warning that this could affect medical supplies and fresh food supplies. Now, why in anybody's right, why would anybody in their right mind want to proceed under a no deal circumstance when something as catastrophic as that can happen on day one? I just cannot fathom for the life of me how people in the conservative party have not stood up and said, this is, this is gross. You, this is, this is not how we are to handle this. 
and any politician, PM included, that says, this is what we're doing. We are holding up democracy because this is what the British people voted for. Let me tell you something right now. Nobody voted for this. Nobody voted for this. There might be a couple of idiots out there that are so, you know, anti-immigration and, you know, nationalist in their mindset that say, I don't care what happens. I just want out. Get us out. No deal. Don't care what the circumstances or the consequences are. Just get us out on the 31st of October. We should have been gone already. I think you would find an overwhelming majority of people that said, I did not vote for a no-deal Brexit. The proposition that was put to us in the referendum vote was that we would leave with a secure deal that was sensible and safe and prosperous for the British people. That has not happened. Therefore, they cannot deliver on the people's vote. Therefore, by passing through a no-deal Brexit is not going with democracy, but actually going against it. And I voted to remain in the EU because am I a huge fan of the EU and their policies and their, you know, their handcuffing uh, around regulations and things? No, not, not all the way through, but I like the idea of globalism. I like the idea of a single market. I like the idea that we were, you know, one of, if not the most significant member within the EU. We had a lot of bargaining power. We just mis mishandled it. We had the wrong people in Europe representing us. But one thing is for sure, nobody voted for this. And the entire Brexit campaign in its first iterance was a lie. The British people voted for something that was not true. And therefore, that's subverting democracy. That's not carrying out democracy. And anybody that tells you, tries to whitewash this as, oh, well, that's how politicians do, is bullshit. Because this is the most significant... This was the most significant vote in a generation. This is going to have multi-generational consequences because the political system in this country is so fundamentally broken and dysfunctional that rectifying this problem will not be an easy fix. This is not as easy as just signing a trade deal with America and hoping everything works out for the best. I'm so sorry, but it's not. So... The fact that this vote that we ended up with was predicated on, was, was a result of lies that were thrust on the British people who had no other information about what was going on with Brexit in the first place. The fact that now the current Prime Minister is trying to crash us out of this with no deal and no real mandate for what's going on. Because if he had such a strong mandate, why wouldn't you turn it over to people and say, we're going to go with a no-deal Brexit, and this is how we're going to maintain ourselves. Because economists, and we've mentioned this on the show before, have said that you can effectively, you can expect between a 4 and 9% decrease in GDP over the first 12 to 24 months of leaving Brexit. That means we will pl be plunged back into a recession, which we're already on the verge of now. And if you listen to these uh, economists that are saying, oh, well, you know, investors are more optimistic by the recent uh, the recent developments in uh, the US-China trade war and, you know, the recent movements on the Brexit conversation, they are just trying to minimize panic. I'm telling you right now, a recession is definitely coming. We cannot maintain the status quo as it is and expect to be okay. 
And I don't want to be defeatist about this. I don't want to be negative or nihilistic about it. I'm just trying to talk for real. And this has happened in a week. This has happened in a week. And now, apparently, the Queen said, yeah, the suspension of Parliament is okay. She doesn't have any real power because if she was to veto that after the Prime Minister you know, had requested it, then we don't live in a constitutional democracy anymore. We live back in a monarchy. Right? If the queen can, the queen doesn't have any power. She's a figurehead, right? We've talked about the royal family before. They're effectively a tourist attraction. The queen is a formality, right? Like when there's a new prime minister sworn in, they have to get the permission of the queen and the queen has to sign it off. She's never not signed it off, right? At least I can't, I don't know of an instance where she did. So if anybody wants to correct me, please let me know. But she doesn't have any power. So if Boris Johnson comes to her and, and and I'm doing quotes, I'm doing air quotes here, asks for permission to suspend parliament, she effectively cannot say no. She has to say yes. So that is a pointless exercise. And now they're saying, oh, well, maybe Boris Johnson might have lied about why and how he wanted to suspend parliament when he spoke to the queen. It doesn't matter. He could tell her he wants to suspend Parliament because he sees fairies in his bedroom at night. She doesn't have any power to say no because we're not living in a constitutional democracy if she does. He's, he's the leader of the country. So he lost his majority, but he's still running the country. You see what I'm saying? So it's all a formality. But I bring this up because, yes, there are some potentially dire consequences right around the corner if we don't take action as a country and, and, and speak up more about the fact that a general election should be called, a second vote should be called, and it should be put to the British people. Do you want to remain? Do you want to leave with a deal? Or do you want to leave with no deal? And in fact, you can actually get rid of the middle one because I think people are only being asked if they, I mean, they're not even being asked, but the only options are we go down the, you know, the election and the referent the rerun of a referendum, or we crash out with no deal. So why don't you have people vote on those two things? Because if you would have had people vote on those two things in the very beginning, the bus that said we're getting 350 million a week back to put into the NHS was a bolt, which was a bold-faced lie. That even that wouldn't be enough to sway people out. And they would have overwhelmingly voted to remain in the EU. So why don't we have a referendum vote where the facts and the truth of the current situation are outlined and see what the British people think about that? And the funny thing is, Boris Johnson has actually called for this. But it didn't get through. So it so much has happened, but it leaves us in exactly the same position that we were before I went on holiday. And that is caught in the eye of a shitstorm. With, you know, we're being navigated through this shitstorm by a couple of blind pilots. And we're not getting anywhere fast. We're just being spun around. So... So much has gone on, so much has transpired, but actually, we're exactly where we were when I left. And isn't that just politics today? Isn't that our political system, like, 
we talk about American politics, we talk about British politics, sometimes we talk international, but generally not. But isn't this par for the course for politics and what we talk about and how useless and ineffective they are and how they need to be held account by the people that they're responsible for serving? How long will we put up with this farce? Some people are vocal about it. I try to be vocal. Maybe I could do more, but couldn't we all? But don't we, shouldn't we demand this? Shouldn't this be something that we are requiring of the people we put in office? Well, I mean, if you ask Boris Johnson, he could turn around and say, well, actually, you guys didn't put me in office. 120,000 Tories did, right? Because he's not an elected PM anyways. But if you've seen this man, uh, he was uh, Boris Johnson was walking through, uh, I think it's called Worley in Leeds. And some guy got at him in the streets. Why are you here and not in Europe working out a deal for us to get out? Like he's a leave, right? He's a Brexit. He's a Brexiteer. But even he, he's, he doesn't want a no deal. He doesn't want this to be catastrophic for him and his family. And he gave it to him for a good couple of minutes. And it was beautiful because Boris Johnson just ended up sitting there staring into thin air. Being sh not shouted at because the guy was actually quite reserved, but he was emotional. But this is what need, these guys need to be put on the spot and interrogated and be forced to answer the questions that their citizens want answered. Why are you so goddamn determined to throw us into chaos to suit your political motivations? Why? When the published papers come out and say it is going to be chaos, why do you maintain the line that we're going to be just fine? What evidence do you have of this? What plan do you have? What's your manifesto to support this? This claim of prosperity, of this claim of no hiccups in the transition. Where's the proof? Show me something. The reports come out and they said we're fucked. They said we're going to be in a real hard place. These guys need to be held account. It's it's becoming it's becoming too much. It's becoming untenable. We don't trust anybody in politics. We already don't trust anybody in the news. We can't trust anybody in politics. They're working for themselves. So how do we as the people that make up this constitutional democracy get our voices heard? I guess we just got to keep talking. And we got to ignore the shit that doesn't matter. And I go back to some of the progressive nonsense that we see all the time. I saw on Pierce Morgan, what is it, yesterday and the day before, you know, talking about how you, how you can identify as whatever you want. But then if, you know, if Pierce Morgan wants to identify as a penguin, you know, the transgender person's got a problem with that. Like... The fuck are we talking about? These are not issues. These are not issues. Like Bill Burr said in his comedy special, this all this was all started by white women to get at to get at white men, and now it's just spiraled out of control. It's crazy. We got bigger things to worry about and bigger things to handle, and I think we need to be focused on them solely, not solely but squarely. You know what I mean. So anyways, I just wanted to say, because it's crazy, right? Because you've got that, 
on this side of the pond. And then on the other side of the pond, you've got Trump who is going to meet with fucking the Taliban at Camp David. Like, I get that he wants to get some massive win. I get it. But what? And then John Bolton, who is his national security advisor, quit slash resigned or quit slash got fired because he didn't agree with it and a number of other policies because he's a he's what they call a hawk right he's what they call a, a hawk and a hawk is somebody that wants to basically use force before diplomacy right he um he manufactured the libya takeover and you saw what happened to gaddafi and that's why Kim Jong-un was super worried that John Bolton was on Trump's staff when they were negotiating getting rid of their nuclear weapons because he turned around and said, well, we're going to end up just like Libya so you can forget it. Well, John Bolton didn't like that the president was going to have the Taliban over for dinner and made, I guess, his discontent known and claims that he was going to resign in the morning or he was going to resign that day, but Trump Trump told him to wait till the morning. And then Trump tweeted that he'd been fired. <laughs> and who knows? Who knows and who cares? The point is, <clears throat> and the reason that I brought this up, again, with the fact that so much shit happens in a week, you can't keep up with it. And it's actually a mind fuck to try. But it's the fact that the media, you know, I read this quote and I thought it was quite good. And it goes, if you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. But if you do watch the news, you're misinformed. And I just thought that's so, that's so bang on. That's so bang on. Because CNN, who hate the president, right? They hate Donald Trump. They don't like people like John Bolton. They've criticized him massively for some of the things I just mentioned, being a, you know, a hawk and a, and a warmonger and, you know, wanting to use force rather than, you know, they say if John, if John Bolton could invade every country at the same time, he would, right? And just get it all dealt with. He's been quoted as saying, you know how you can you tell if a North Korean's lying? Their lips are moving, right? Like he just doesn't, he just wants to go to war with everybody, fuck everybody up. So CNN have criticized him for this. But when Trump tries to play diplomacy and have the Taliban over for tea, they're on John Bolton's side. So it's like you're just squarely against Trump no matter what. And people who you like you hated before for the right reasons, now you're saying, oh, well, you know, they're not a bad guy and maybe there's more to the story. Maybe we should figure it out a little bit before we go, you know, making accusations and blaming uh, blaming John Bolton's, uh, you know, discontent with having the Taliban over for dinner. They're like supporting this guy. And it's just like, it's like, well, you've got no consistency and therefore you've got no credibility. But it goes back to the quote, right? You have to know what's going on in the world. So you have to find outlets that can be trusted. And if you see the sign of bias or impartial, uh, like partiality towards a certain side or a certain subject matter without 
equal representation of the other side of the argument, you have to do a couple of things. You have to find the other side of the argument and listen. And then you have to find a third point in that argument and listen. And then you have to triangulate all those things and figure out what's bullshit, what's truth, and what your opinion of it is. You have to disseminate the information. You have to analyze it for yourself and come up with your own conclusions based on some critical thinking. And that's not easy for everybody to do. So they just pick the news that matches the stories that they like to hear and the viewpoints that they agree with and they just tune in and it's spoon-fed to them or stuck in an IV and just straight in the vein, hotness, right in the vein. And that's why I said you've got to watch the news because you've got to know what's going on. But if you watch the news, depending on how you watch the news, you could be just be misinformed and put into an echo chamber with a whole bunch of confirmation bias on ideas that you are, you know, are of a viewpoint of. And then you have no critical thinking ability because you're not coming up with anything yourself. You just regurgitating what you've been fed and acting like you, you read or, or you pay attention. And that's just not good enough. That's just not good enough. So multiple sources, independent sources are critical. Are critical. But I love that quote. If you watch the news, if you don't, what did it say? What did I say? Let me read the quote. If you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. That's it. If you don't watch the news, you're uninformed. But if you do watch the news, you're misinformed. I just love that. I think that's fantastic. You got to watch something because otherwise you don't know shit. But you got to watch, watch the right shit or you're not going to know the truth about what you're actually watching. <clears throat> so again, it's just one of those things, right? Like we've had the Democratic debates. I think they were on, when were they on? Last night? Thursday night, I think. I haven't watched them yet, but I can pretty much figure out that there was a whole lot of really nothing said. I mean, all I've gathered so far from glancing at some news articles today is that they came together on Trump. Well, big fucking deal. And then with all the other manifesto points and agenda points, they, you know, they put their own slant on it to see who's getting to get differentiated. But from what I'm reading, Biden did okay. Warren did okay. You know, the guys you expect, the girls you expect to do okay, do, did okay. Um, but I don't even know what the full roster was yet. I haven't looked at it. So um, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. And, and you know, <clears throat> does it really fucking matter? I don't really see anybody, you know, I've told you who I like. I told you who I think, you know, could give Trump a... Uh, uh, a run for his money and, and put him in a position where he wouldn't be able to use the same old tactics on these candidates. But, you know, it's just looking like the status quo is going to maintain. And we're going to snap back and see if Joe Biden or um, Elizabeth Warren or uh, Bernie Sanders can beat him. So it's most likely going to be Joe Biden. And we'll see how, how his mental health is and, you know, how his aging mind works in, you know, six months time when he's got to start actually, you know, pushing on the pedal and going hard. But it's just weird, man. It's just weird. The whole system's fucked. But, uh, but let's see how it works out. Because 
If they get another four years of Trump, I don't know what the hell is going to happen. We're going to be living in Gilead or some shit, you know. Um, but apparently America and, and some places down there on the uh, in the south are getting bombarded by this hurricane. Sounds absolutely awful, man. But did you see Trump? This is the thing. Again, you know, all this shit you miss. I'm, I'm like thinking, like, what else have I missed? <coughs> he drew a fucking map. He drew the map of the hurricane and like swung it around with a sharpie to to change its direction when all the meteorologists are like well that's not the path it's taking and he just like sharpied in like where he thought and wanted it to go i'm like what the fuck is this guy doing but apparently that's actually a crime messing with a federal um like a, a federal weather report i guess is like a crime but it doesn't matter nothing's going to happen it doesn't you know doesn't doesn't matter um but I'm gonna check out those presidential debates later on. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give at least a little bit of a watch to them. Maybe tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but it's gonna be great to just have a sleep in, and, uh, and and relax. And and that sounds so weird after having a week in Italy where I've just been eating, drinking, and sleeping and lying on the beach. <clears throat> but like I said up front, sometimes you need a holiday from the holiday. Um, but yeah, I'll probably check out these de these uh, the Democratic debate that, that went on last night. I just, when I watch things like that, or like if my wife is watching a TV show that I can't particularly be bothered to pay attention to, I kind of zone out and go in my own head. And I kind of, I think about weird shit happening, like instead of, you know, like what if one of the debates and two of the candidates were arguing a point and they just got irate, irate and started fucking each other up on the stage. And like, you know, Elizabeth Warren climbs up on one of the speaking podiums and just like fucking like gives a, gives a big elbow off the top rope down onto the back of Joe Biden's head. Like I just, I said, I tune out and I start to do that. I do that with shows like that my wife will like to watch, like, um, like, uh, I don't know, the big bang theory or something, you know? And, You'll see Sheldon like driving a car for the first time, and it's like, I wonder, wouldn't it be funny if he just got sideswiped or something like that? I don't know. I think I'm a little fucked up or something, but uh, never mind. Anyways, <laughs> I'm just rambling. But um, yeah, I haven't watched any TV. I haven't watched any TV shows. The only thing that's actually come on my radar recently is a Canadian program uh, called Working Moms, which, again. For me, that wouldn't sound like a show that I would ever, ever even check out. But my wife started watching it, and I tuned in, and it's fantastic. The writing in it is is amazing. Um, it's just, it's produced really well. It's just a very, very good show. Um, and it's, you know, it's about a bunch of women who are holding down careers. It's filmed in Toronto, um and all the dramas around it it's it's really good it's i would i would recommend you check it out and, and just see what you think um but i've got some catching up to do the other thing i watched was bill burr's special and that was just fantastic i mean he's he's at the top of the pile in terms of stand-up comedians and uh, and i'm a huge stand-up fan but i didn't realize that he was shooting it at the royal albert hall and i saw the posters for him doing his stand-up in london last year and it was just, it was one of those things I couldn't make. I couldn't, but I was gutted that I couldn't make it. But I'm even, like, I'm double pissed now that I didn't go because he was shooting the special there. 
and uh, and that would have been phenomenal to see. But it's on Netflix now, guys. So you need to check that shit out if you like comedy because it's just too funny. And uh, <clears throat> and of course, keeping up with uh, with the guy uh, Andrew Schultz, who's just um, who's just hilarious. A colleague of mine the other day said, you know, if you want to improve your podcast, you should try doing stand up comedy. And I was like, ooh, fuck, that's an idea, but I don't have time for that. I would love to give it a go, but I don't even think I'm like, I don't know about writing jokes. I'm kind of like, I'm kind of funny if we're just talking and I make like, you know, off the cuff comments, like I'm good that way, but I don't know about writing jokes. I don't know if that's my bag, but you never know. You never know what, what might come in the future, eh? But uh, what else? Where are we at? We're about 50 minutes. I think it might be good, you know. That's not bad, right? 50 minutes, first show back. Why don't we call it a day? Um, yeah. Okay. So I just want to say thanks for listening, guys. And if you've made it to the end of my show, uh, thank you. Uh, I really, really, really want to hear from you guys. Um, I'm going to be re-recording episode 100. It's not going to be in, in the same place. It'll be like episode like 120 or something like that. But I'm, I'm getting new equipment, as I mentioned. And once I have that equipment, my interview game will be more on point than it is now. And then I'm going to really go hard in, uh, in recruiting some folks to come on the show, set up times, and, uh, and try to get some more interviews. Because I think that's really where the cash is in terms of valuable content. You know, you can listen to me blab all day, but how many of you guys want to do that? You know, it, it can get a bit monotonous and I'm going to also be bringing up specific shows about uh, specific subjects some of which I may do on my own uh, some of which I might try to get some experts in which would be you know amazing uh, so stay tuned for that but in the meantime I just want to say a massive thank you for everybody that does listen to the show um, and that follows us on social media and you know has subscribed to the show and rated us um, on iTunes. That's so critical, guys. So <clears throat> for for the ones of you that have rated us on there, I really appreciate it. Um, we're, we're holding steady at five stars, which is amazing. So let's keep that going. So if you listen to the show and you like the content, um, I'm not going to be starting a Patreon account. and I'm never going to ask you guys for donations and uh, like, uh, like thinking about starting like a merch shop. Like I get why comedians and stuff do it. It's an extra income stream, but I'm not really interested in going down that route at the moment. Um, all I want to do is keep building this audience and, and giving you guys honest content, uh, which is what I think I do, or at least try to do every day, or every time we record. So um, if you know anybody that wouldn't mind checking the podcast out, recommend us, give us a shout out, um, do all that good stuff on Spotify and soundcloud and itunes wherever you get your podcast from we're probably there um and we'll continue to expand our reach as well so um thank you follow us on twitter as well we've got at quiet part loud on twitter we use that a lot more now than we have in the past so uh, you can hit us up there all those thoughts are my own um and uh, and that's it so we're, we're gonna bounce out guys so uh, i appreciate you listening this is episode 106 uh, shocks me to say that number, um, but we're going to be back to do 107 uh, either today or we'll keep it on schedule with uh, next Wednesday or next Friday. So uh, so stay tuned. Give us a shout out. Give us a listen. We appreciate you and uh, and much love to everybody that does uh, that does show it back. So that's it. Um, we're going to wrap it up and uh, and we'll do this thing again 
next time round. So uh, have a great weekend, guys. And uh, my name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. Um, I'm the one that runs the Twitter account. I'm the one that produces it. I'm the one talking. Uh, it, it's my show. Um, but it wouldn't be anything if you guys didn't listen. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And until next time, guys, all the best. Thank you.